Hi, and welcome to the next edition of the Career Conversations podcast. Today, we're focusing on data in financial services and insurance, and I'm joined by my colleague, James. James, do you mind introducing yourself? Sure. Thanks, Justin. It's great to be on the podcast. This is my first one ever, so really excited to be a part of it. Um, my name is James Ryder. I joined Coeo about four months ago as a principal client manager, working with a number of organisations in the financial services and insurance industries. Great. And do you mind sharing a little bit about your kind of career journey and um, and history leading up to you joining Coeo? And um, why do you, do you think Coeo was a good 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 career move and good place for you for the future? Sure. So I'm going to go back um, back to my university day. So I actually started uh, Bournemouth Uni back in 2007. And in fact, Justin, you went there, didn't you? I understand. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And um, also I've since, since learned that COEO uses Bournemouth as a feeder university for bringing young talent into the organisation. Now, that wasn't my path into COEO. Um, I actually did a placement year at Microsoft as part of my degree. And actually, Justin, that's where we met back in mm. Premier Field Engineering. So um, yeah. that was um, that was our first encounter. After that, I went back to university, finished my degree and rejoined Microsoft on the graduate scheme and spent 10 years in various roles within Microsoft services, but working with clients in the financial services and insurance industry. So that great gave me you know, really great uh, start to my professional working career. Um, but I got to a point where curiosity got the better of me and I needed to see what else was happening outside the big bad world of Microsoft. So I joined um, uh, applications and infrastructure focused managed service provider called Insono back in 2017. And um, that again gave me some really great experience working with clients outside of FSI but also different technologies as well. Having only worked at Microsoft um, right. kind of didn't have this appreciation of uh, the types of technologies, uh, other technologies that organizations use. So, um, and Sono supported everything from mainframe all the way through to public cloud and, and everything in between. So that, mm. that was great. And then, yeah, last year saw the opportunity pop up on LinkedIn actually at right. Coeo. And yeah, two things that really jumped out for me. Uh, one was the opportunity to work in a smaller business. So something that I'd not done before, you know, going from big corporate in Sono had about two and a half thousand people. So a smaller business like Coeo, uh, that really appealed, but also being back in that Microsoft and FSI ecosystem. So whilst I enjoyed being out of that, I really felt like I could bring some experience to bear uh, in the role. So yeah, that's, uh, and here we are today. Very good. Awesome. And you've made a great impact in um, in just the short time that you've been with us and really excited about the future as well. So thinking about financial services at Coeo, um, that means different things to different people. And I'm sure it meant different things at Microsoft and in Sono. Do you mind just kind of giving an overview of, of what FSNI, financial services and insurance at Coeo means? Sure. So it's a broad industry and within Coeo, we predominantly work with organisations in the insurance and asset management space. Okay. So from an insurance perspective, that's everything from direct insurers to brokers to the reinsurance market. So Lloyds of London effectively. And within asset management, there are firms ranging from 
15 billion to 250 billion assets under management. So a really diverse set of customers, which is really exciting. Cool. There's a pretty wide range of um, kind of scale, size and scale of, of even asset manager there that you mentioned. Um, what sort of similarities have you observed between those clients? Two main things really so far. One is they're all on a transformation journey. You know, if we think about the industry, it's very been very traditional. If you think about, well, when I was at Microsoft and the advent of public clouds, FSI organizations were typically um, slower in adopting some of those platforms and services to other industries. And really over recent years, that's um, that started to accelerate. And, you know, we're seeing organizations having to rapidly transform. And actually the pandemic has helped to um, act as a catalyst for that. But one of the main things and being new to data is that all of these organizations, regardless of size, really recognize data as a key differentiator. So they see it as an asset. It doesn't sit on the balance sheet, but they see it as something that they can really use to help accelerate time to value for their organization, whether that be from a revenue perspective or taking cost out of the business or man managing organizational risk or regulatory risk. So, yeah, they're really on this journey to become data driven. Great. And I definitely recognize that in the clients that I've been engaged with, where particularly in, in the asset management space, previously the kind of investment platforms were, were homegrown and, and self-developed. And that created a, a very high barrier to entry for the market, which meant that um, it was difficult to disrupt that market, frankly. And nowadays there's a bunch of SaaS providers that offer those investment platforms, which means that that uh, barrier to entry has been removed and that has driven the need for, for these organizations to get closer to their clients and closer to the investments and really um, understand the data better and make better decisions and determine the, the expected returns from those investments and kind of present that data in a rich and engaging way to, to their clients um, such that they it, that that's actually an asset as a differentiator and a reason why a client would go with um, asset manager A over asset manager B. And, and that is driving um, rapid innovation and um, an investment in data and, and trying to get value out of that data to, to their to, to their clients. Yeah, and it's interesting there's you know convergence across industries. So if we look at mm. some of the retailers that are offering financial services products, you know, retail's always been very experience-led. So it's about creating that rich customer experience. And we as consumers expect that. So um, why as um, you know, a consumer of insurance, why shouldn't I have that same rich experience, that seamless experience where the insurer understands me as a customer, they understand how I how I live, how I work, how I travel, that kind of thing. So um, we have higher expectations these days, and that's only going to continue as we move forward. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned the impact of COVID. Um, what's your kind of observations or thoughts on how FSI organisations have been impacted in the past 12, 13 months? Yeah, like many industries, they had to pivot to remote working very quickly. Um, I think that a lot of organizations not just in fsi surprised themselves with how quickly they were able to pivot and adapt to that new way of working in short order so i think it's i think sachin adela talks about the uh, two years of transformation happening in two months in some yeah. cases um what that's done is really put it on the map with a lot of 
the business stakeholders within organizations. So often IT is seen as a disabler than rather than an enabler. So the yeah. fact that they were able to provide these productivity tools and everything that was needed to adapt to the new way of working has really helped to showcase what IT can deliver in terms of tangible value. Also, though, what I think it's done conversely is shine a real spotlight on where there are challenges within organizations. So um, operational processes, that kind of thing, think things that would happen in an office or things that would happen in front of a client and mm. that perhaps didn't transition as well to um, the virtual world. Uh, it's really highlighted where some of those inefficiencies are. And I think what that's created is this renewed focus on some cost savings and you know, whilst we're trying to balance this, keep the lights on, but also acceleration of change and transformation, yeah, how how do you balance all of that? So um, that that's, uh, I think that's what we've seen off the back of the pandemic. Yeah, interesting. And I think no industry is untouched. Um, and some industries are, have been devastated, hospitality and travel, um, and other industries have, have benefited, you know, the home delivery networks and, and the like, but every industry is impacted and there will be a new normal, that's for sure. You know, the, the days of going into the office five days a week and productivity being measured by the hours that you spend at your desk um, have gone and um, you know th there's a lot of legacy in in financial services and um, tradition in the way that it works in the city of London where this has really been um, a catalyst as you say to, to kind of find a new way of working and prove out those those methods and practices really. And a good example is um, if we think about Lloyd's of London so the underwriting room in the centre of London and how everyone would congregate in there and yeah. um, that was the first closure of physical trading in the insurance market in over 300 years That's so awesome. yeah. it's just unbelievable they can't go back to that way of working um, and they've been able to pivot to using video calls and electronic trading platforms since that closure but now as they plan for the reopening of um, of the underwriting room that's going to look and feel very different to how it was there's even talk about not going back to the traditional dress code of um, fully suited and booted so yeah. yeah a lot of things would change and in fact I remember you've got a really nice example from um, the days in uh, Lloyd's of London and the, and the Leadenhall market which probably be yeah. interesting for our, for our listeners Exactly. I, I, I remember a story from a, an underwriter where he described a situation that the landlord at the, the Lamb Tavern, um, one of the pubs in the centre of Leadenhall Market, um, provided a service of returning the Bordereau reports, the, the actual card files that had been left behind um, in his pub. So, so the next morning he employed someone that would distribute those uh, those Bordereau reports back out to the, to the individual um, insurers and, and reinsurers to provide that service where they could overcome that kind of people overlooking that and leaving those files behind. So um, hopefully uh, the Lamb Tavern will return and um, and the vibrancy in Leadenhall Market will return, but hopefully people won't be leading, leaving Bordereau reports lying around anymore <laughs> because we'll have found a new way of working. And that kind of brings me on to thinking about recovery from the pandemic and, and there's a lot of eyes on speed of vaccine rollout and speed of recovery. Um, keen to kind of get your thoughts around the role of data in the recovery from the pandemic. What, what are you seeing in the in the customers and accounts that you're engaged with? So it's really interesting actually because whilst we've now you know the vaccine rollout's going really well we've got the roadmap there's some light at the end of the tunnel there still is a lot of uncertainty and volatility in the market. 
So really what that's driving is stakeholders within organizations needing to have quick access to data to be able to make you know better more timely decisions than they've ever been able to before so um it's no longer good, good enough to um yeah i think about one of the clients that I, I spoke to when i first joined who at their month end are doing their financial reporting and it takes them 12 working days to get the data out of the appropriate systems and reports they need to be able to complete that. That's just not sustainable anymore, yeah. um, especially in the current climate. So um, yeah, just this this need for, for real-time data to be able to look at what's happened in the past, Microsoft call it analytical power, but also this predictive power. So that's about looking into the future. So modeling different scenarios, you know, what happens if the pace of the vaccine rollout slows down, what impact could that have? And how does that impact travel and therefore insurance and all these different scenarios yeah. that organisation organisations need to start thinking and planning for? Should we hit, you know, they, no one was prepared for what happened with the pandemic. So now it's about being as prepared as possible and then being able to respond and react as quickly uh, as possible in, you know, uncertain times. And I remember a, a phrase. I don't remember where I, where I heard it or read it, but um, that they, they, the author described um, the pandemic as survival of the adaptable, mm. and those people, those organisations that are able to pivot and uh, change their business model. But um, you know, to your point about um, descriptive versus predictive analytics, there are still lots of organisations with a very low level of maturity and effectively driving on the rearview mirror. And you know, mm. knowing where you've been is interesting, but that's not nearly as interesting and important, particularly at a point of economic instability and um, and volatility in the markets and, and all the other things that we've kind of uncovered. You know, th that means that the role of data and, and as business leaders, we have to make decisions on incomplete data every day. Mm. But how do we make that picture more complete and how do we get more accurate and how do we make a prediction and then learn and refine that prediction as we go forward so that's really the opportunity that that data presents and lots of organizations sit on loads of this data and they don't really capitalize on that mm. to help them make better decisions and part of this is technical but part of it is cultural and process based with the client you described with uh, with a 12 working day turnaround on their reporting you know people have got to recognize that that's not good enough in 2021 and there are better smarter ways of running an organization of any type so i think we've talked about a lot of the challenges but are there any kind of common patterns and pain points that you see across the customers that you're working with yeah so i'll take asset management first as an, as an example so Bear in mind that they've got teams across the front, middle and back office that all face significant data challenges. A lot of what they've done historically has been manual, has been paper or Excel based. So just from a pure um, resource perspective, there's, you know, there's operational inefficiency there. There's room for human error. There's all, all of these, you know, different challenges and, and back to client expectations. You know, if you've got an investor relations team that needs to understand what's happening within uh, the portfolio companies to re report back they need to be able to do that quickly they need to have good you know quality data to to inform that so that again that's that's been a catalyst and even from an investment point of view so there's a big push now around sustainable investing so um, uh, in the ESG space so looking at alternative data sources to assess different assets and where those in investments are made 
and often they're operating now on much thinner margins um, depending on the asset class so yeah again it's all about being able to use the data to drive those efficiencies and give the client a better experience that's going to retain them and deliver them that that return um, so that, that's an asset management example uh, in insurance i think about technologies such as iot so if we look mm. at what's happened in the car insurance market and home insurance where telematics have been used to provide customers with different products that are much more based around how they um you know how, how they drive or yeah uh, what, you know monitoring they've got in their home how likely is it that your boiler is going to break down or what have you which will then inform the insurance premium but as we move forward and we go into a hybrid way of working and people's travel patterns will change and what have you then the insurance organization is going to have to think about more sort of fluid concepts uh, in terms of how they provide services and products that fit around people's new lifestyles across those three areas we talked about earlier in terms of work life lifestyle that kind of mm. thing so i think that's uh, that's going to be really interesting and it, it's going to be a case of who can who can probably bring products to market the quickest rather than get it perfect yeah and that's what gonna, that's going to grab people's attention and um, especially with the younger generation as well who um will want to interact through digital channels and that kind of thing Mm. I think that you just reminded me, uh, I was thinking about the pace of change and the pace of change in the last 12 months has, has really been phenomenal because um, this has really been a disrupt or be disrupted kind of moment for, for lots of organisations. And um, and that reminded me of, uh, I heard Bill Gates speak, he did a world tour, it was 10 years ago because it's just been Microsoft's uh, 45th birthday and, and Bill Gates stepped down from, from the kind of CEO role at the 35th anniversary so that must be 10 years ago and he did a world tour and, and presented um, in cities around the world and I was fortunate enough to to hear him present when he visited London um, and, and one of the one of the kind of observations or lessons that he gave during that presentation was that the pace of change is increasing and as he looked back over the 35 years that Microsoft had been running and he looked forward to the next 30 years the time between an idea and execution had reduced significantly and I think that's um, you know what you're describing absolutely proves that to be true and and kind of validates that right now so data is a big part of how organizations make those decisions around pivoting and, and their evolution you know and that's very prominent in um, in financial services but relevant in in every industry so i think that there's there's kind of a strong case of of a need for for change and a need for investment and using data as an asset lots of businesses will will know that they need to do something and there are a hundred things that they could do how would you recommend that they kind of get started on that journey and where where do you recommend they get started yeah so start with the business so start with what are the biggest pain points you know yep. what is the business actually well there's pain points but also what is the business trying to achieve and it's finding a balance of thinking and doing so it's important to have a strategy have a plan that's going to keep you focused and um not you know be too scattergun and mm. um a busy fool as uh, you know, i've heard that term quite use quite frequently but um, start small so pick, pick a use case though that's linked to a business problem that you think can be solved through doing something different with data so you know 
what questions can't be answered today of the data that's available and and work back from that yeah and have the mindset of fail fast so don't expect the perfect outcome yeah straight out of the gates yeah that's so, a good one. you know yeah. fail fast and move on so take the learnings and move on to the next thing equally though it's important to think about things like you know governance and you talk, talked about it earlier but there's a whole cultural shift so it's not just about um technology and just, just deploying a great solution it's um how does the whole business go on that journey how do you ensure you're you've got data literacy across the organization yeah. there's a common understanding of some of the terms used that's really important and that you're giving the right people the right access to the data as well because again from a customer perspective whilst we have these high expectations we also you know expect ironclad privacy as well so we don't want to Definitely. find that our data has been used incorrectly or shared incorrectly or something like that so um that's uh, it's finding that balance we've definitely been involved in a number of projects um, and i can think of several in insurance where that firm's first foray into cloud is by landing a data warehouse in the cloud and an analytics solution and um that that is quite you know as as a CISO you know responsible for information security in that organization to have your customer client risk data in the cloud is kind of like the worst scenario from them from a risk perspective so they want to make sure that we've got all of the uh, features and capabilities enabled to to protect and secure that data and ultimately they do understand that um that data in the cloud um, is more secure, can be more secure than data in their own data center because the the measures and investment that Microsoft have put in place often dwarf the investment that an individual organization can have in the broom cupboard in their data center in 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 the UK. So um, once they kind of appreciate that, then then they become more confident and comfortable, I guess. And and uh, another reflection. It, your your story about pain points and and identifying value triggered another analogy or memory for me, which is when um, when Henry Ford invented the Model T, the the first mass-produced car. Someone asked him during an interview what what made the success of the Model T, what made the Model T so successful, and he responded by saying, if he'd asked users what they wanted, they'd have said a faster horse, and he knew that the answer was a car. And I think exactly to your point around data, uh, we have a responsibility and and a role to play as as IT professionals in understanding the business pain points and challenges, but also challenging back to the business around um, you know our aspiration should not be to automate and systemize existing manual processes, but to look at what is the problem that we're trying to solve and what is the smartest most low friction approach to solve that problem rather than blindly replicating a manual process in a, in a cloud platform mm, yeah agreed and i heard i'm not sure where it came from but a really nice um sort of statement really that or, or, or guiding light that says um, the value we bring is not in the answers we give but in the questions we ask mm. and um, that i think supports yeah. supports that point entirely Exactly. So, so bringing the conversation closer to home, um, what do you think we've learned as an organisation at Coeo through the pandemic? It's still early days for me. So, in the last yeah. four months, I, I think we're seeing we've been fortunate in that the business has grown. So, yeah. there's definitely demand in the market for the services that we provide. There's a lot of value that we can bring to our clients. We're seeing that in the feedback we're receiving. Um, so 
it's learning to be to be adaptable yeah to i think focus on things that you can control and influence and not worry too much about the things that are outside of your control mm. but also to balance that there is the challenge of and not just a choreo but where we've all moved to remote working there's this expectation almost and i'm not sure where it's come from but that we're always on we're yeah. always at our desks we're always online we're always available on teams um and that can lead to burnout and fatigue and you don't always do your best work if you're back to back in meetings so um something that we started earlier this year which has really resonated with me and i've enjoyed being part of is uh, an active 21 challenge and this is this is about you know all organizations have got a duty of care towards the well-being of their employees but especially at the moment in the in the current working environment um, taking time away from the screen so we're all being encouraged and it isn't mandatory it's completely um, down to the individual as to what they're comfortable doing but we can go and spend 30 minutes a day exercising outdoors whatever we like to do walking running cycling rowing etc and it's really brought the team together given us a common goal to work towards initially it started as having an aspiration to travel the equivalent distance of visiting all of our clients um, I think we absolutely smashed that goal in the yes. first month back yeah, in January. Exactly. So we've been uh, continuing to extend that month on month. And it's really brought, yeah, you know, teams who are physically remote yeah. um, and for new joiners like me, actually, who have joined through the pandemic, who are remote, who haven't met anyone face to face. I feel like I've got to know people, not just in a work context, but also through um, activities we're doing. Yeah. Um, outside sharing pictures on the whatsapp group etc so uh, it's really helped i think uh, yeah i think it's been brilliant and far exceeded my expectations in terms of how well um the whole team have, have embraced it and um you know, we were keen to design a program we, we've got a pretty broad range of, of kind of uh, how healthy and active people are from from you know regular marathon runners triathletes iron men uh, individuals to to people that are that are not active in any way so trying to create a program and initiative where there's a, a collective goal and everyone can contribute to that in whatever way whether that's walking cycling rowing running you know that they can kind of contribute and and it's helped us get to know each other a bit better and a different aspect of of each other's lives because seeing photos of people on their walks and where they live sometimes with their family you know that's really um created an opportunity and a dimension that we wouldn't otherwise have um have enjoyed so turning that pain point of the kind of work intensity and and screen time into a into a benefit of trying to create you know insert a break deliberately and and empower um give everyone permission to take some time away but but ask them to contribute to a joint goal has been really good i think so yeah thanks for your support and participation in that so finally in closing we have asked every guest on the podcast to make a recommendation of a resource for listeners something that they found personally beneficial or useful have you got any thoughts around something that you would like to recommend yeah it's a slightly different one actually it's um a resource of resources so okay. um i've always been quite into listening to audio books and also you know reading the kindle etc but where we've kind of where we've not been commuting and i've had the time on the train or in the car to do that i found that i've not been able to do it as much as i'd like so mm. um i came across an app called headway 
Right. And what it does is it consolidates loads of different non-fiction books into kind of 15 to 20 minute chunks, um, yeah. consumable chunks for that for the entire book. Uh, and you can either listen to or read it. So loads of different genres and, um, you know, whether it's personal development, professional development, what have you. But yeah, it's not specific to data, but I would recommend it because there's um, mm. it, where we're kind of stress rich and time poor. Yes. It's a good way of just in those 20 minutes or even when I'm out doing my active 21, I can squeeze a whole book into that that time and you pick up a few nuggets from it. So highly Brilliant. recommend it that sounds a big productivity gain um, and you can get the, the richness of the, the insights and the nuggets without the um, enduring the, the full book. So that sounds a win-win. Awesome. Great. It's been brilliant having you on the podcast, James. Thank you very much for joining us today and um, looking forward to, to 2021 and, uh, and data being a big part of, um, of growth and driving us out of the pandemic. Brilliant. Thanks for having me, Justin. 